This is Vigneto, a podcast. From the sun and soil they grow. From the land and sea they roam. Drinking wine in the great unknown. Hi, it's Susanna Gold at the Vigneto podcast. I'm focused on sustainability. And for the upcoming five weeks, I'm going to be speaking with corporate leaders and talking about their views of sustainability. I'm here with Maureen Klein, who is the Vice President for Public Affairs and Sustainability for North America for Pirelli. Hi, Maureen. It's really nice Hi. to see you. Hi, it's been a long time, and I'm, I'm really happy to see you. So um, I know Pirelli very well, but I don't know a lot about what uh, sustainability means in Pirelli. I know that's a big question, but maybe you can just start, and then we'll see where we go from there. Absolutely. So um, Pirelli, which is headquartered in Italy, um, is uh, is very focused on sustainability, and it is very a very broad definition. So it's not just environmental by any means. Um, and you could say that it goes across environmental, social, and governance uh, areas overall. But it's really the the, fo- the the point is that it's very integrated into the corporate strategy, and uh, and it's very top down. So the the company is really trying to be you know a, a sustainable tire company looking to the future. And in fact, it, it, the company was founded in 1872. So it's, if you define sustainability as, you know, duration over time, um, there are, they're doing pretty well. Yeah. They're doing pretty well. Yeah. And it's, and, and I think you could say that um, a lot of the, the way that that we look at sustainability is shifting from a a shareholder model to a stakeholder model of um, capitalism. So we try to create value for all stakeholders and we, we include the environment itself as a stakeholder. I love that definition, actually. Can you repeat mm -hmm. that for me? So you look at it from the stakeholder point of view, not the shareholder Mm -hmm. point of view. Exactly. So shareholders are an important stakeholder, but we're also trying to create value for employees, customers, communities, and the environment. And, um, and suppliers, so the you know the whole value chain, the whole system that we that we live in, and and of course it's a journey. But if we you know if we believe for a minute that um, everybody is serious about the Paris Agreement, we the the conclusion to that is that we have to transform the entire economy. And so Pirelli has basically been kind of looking for its place within that transformation. And so obviously the, the automotive transition, which is huge. So it's, it's electric connected, shared and self-driving cars and so Mm -hmm. on. And so Mm -hmm. we, you know, do we look at, well, what is, what is Pirelli's, um, you know, how can we help decarbonize the, the transportation system? Right. And, um, and then, and then we've announced goals like, Carbon neutral by 2030, which is a very aggressive goal. The that most is aggressive, aggressive in the entire yeah. industry. Yeah, and uh, cutting cutting CO2 emissions by 25 percent by 2025 over 2015. Things like that. 100 Ren- percent renewable energy by 2025 as well. Which actually we're going to um, achieve that by purchasing renewable energy, whether it's uh, on site or or somewhere else. That's really 
That's really very interesting. So when you came on board Pirelli, did they already have a sustainability um, practice? Is, did you go directly into sustainability? Because you've been at Pirelli for a long time now. It's been some years, right? Yeah, so I joined in 2006, and uh, there was a sustainability program, and I can't remember what year Pirelli started publishing sustainability reports annually, and then now we have an integrated sustainability and financial report, annual report, but um, sustainability was already there, and I, I, I joined in the communications department, but then I switched over to public affairs, mm-hmm. and um, and public affairs, of course, includes um, representing the company in, in all kinds of international settings. And we were doing a lot with the UN, UN Global Compact, the World Business Council for Sustainable Development. And then when the company moved me to New York in 2012 um, to, to, to do public affairs for the US, Canada and Mexico, um, I was also asked to be specifically to be responsible for implementing the sustainability strategy here in North America. And we have a, um, we have someone, so we have the, the sustainability department in the headquarters and, and, you know, and trying to integrate sustainability in all departments. So we have like sustainability people in the procurement and other departments, but then we also have a head of sustainability in each region around the world. And so, so that's me for North America. So I really got I really got heavily involved in it around 2012 when I came to New York. Do you it's really interesting to me um, because sometimes when I talk about sustainability, a lot of people include the whole um, employee social responsibility piece. But some people Mm -hmm. do not. But do you think that's a corporate a corporate definition? So do you find that most corporations in your industry, let's say, view the employee piece of sustainability as part of it? Or do you find that that's something specific to Pirelli? No, I think I think the larger multinationals are really aligning around um, the what's called the GRI reporting principles mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and other um, similar definitions. And so um, the social part of ESG ranges from human rights in the supply chain to employee wellness and training and mm-hmm. um, productivity and and things like that. We call we talk about internal and external stakeholders. So the internal mm-hmm. stakeholders would be the employees. The external would be the community and the supply chain, and so mm-hmm. and so on. And the environment. But I do think, and yeah, but I do think that social part is becoming more and more important and lo- the larger multinationals are really adopting that kind of definition. That's, that's, I'm glad to hear that. And um, for a while, I thought it was kind of a European, North American thing. Like it seemed to me a lot of European companies included the employee social responsibility part of it. And that many mm-hmm. uh, European companies were measuring themselves against the SDGs, against the sustainable development goals. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm glad to hear that you see it kind of as a multi multinational. So moving into your specific industry, so rubber and tire, what mm-hmm. does sustainability look like in that industry? Because I know a little bit about the rubber and tire sector, but not so much. Okay, so I would, I think I would divide it into three sort of big areas. Okay. One is um, we talked about a little bit, which is decarbonizing transportation, mm-hmm. so electric vehicles. And then uh, fuel efficiency of the tires themselves, the materials that go into the tires, 
And so that overall, you know, decarbonization. And then mm -hmm. uh, the second area I would say is circular economy, which mm -hmm. I'm, I'm sure your your listeners are very familiar with. So um, the idea of um, reusing, um, recycling, using a designing a product with less resources and to last longer, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And we can we can talk about that a little bit because a lot of there's a lot going on in the uh, end of life tire. Um, and then the third area is responsible sourcing. So, um, for example, our factory in the United States was the first, just recently became the first tire factory in the world to uh, be certified by the Forest Stewardship Council for sustainably sourced natural rubber. Mm -hmm. And and that means that um, there was a, a big audit process that started on the ground in Thailand where the, um, where the rubber trees are and, um, and followed the chain of custody all the way through to the factory in mm -hmm. the U here in the U S mm -hmm. and so, and that certification covers, you know, zero deforestation and human rights of the people on the ground, you know, fair, fair treatment and so on. So um, I, I, I'm seeing in the, certainly in the rubber entire industry that being very very important the the traceability of the supply chain and mm -hmm. um and being able to certify that um no deforestation is is happening in order mm -hmm. to plant more rubber trees to satisfy mm -hmm. the demand mm -hmm. and when you you know if you take if you take a, a product like an automobile and you trace each part of it, you end up with um, different minerals that come from mines that could be certified also for human rights mm -hmm. and agricultural products like rubber and leather. Mm -hmm. And, and those can be certified for, for example, for defore zero deforestation. Mm -hmm. And, and then you have the plastics. Um, but basically I think the future, one of the things that's going to be, very important in the future is tracing every part of, you know, a mobile phone, every part of an automobile, all the way to the source and making sure that um, human rights are being respected and, and environmental impacts are minimized. That is uh, a great goal. Do you think it's possible? Do you think, are you optimistic about something like that happening in the next 20 years? Or do you, th you think that's kind of the way it necessarily will go. I mean, is there a lot of kind of political will? I must think I would think it also need political will to get something like that done. Yeah, yeah, and you actually you you actually um, hit on it on an important um, difference before when you said you know Europe. You, you talked about Europe. Um, I would say that Europe is ahead in sustainability. It's, I agree. It, it leads the world, and yes, it um, does. Absolutely. And so, um, and that's actually been interesting because I was, I've been able here in the U.S. to kind of um, bring forward these European approaches and um, introduce them into larger settings mm -hmm. in the tire industry and so on. Mm -hmm. But um, I, I am optimistic because I think there's the political will in Europe. And then once Europe kind of cracks this nut, others will follow. So in Europe, they're talking about mandatory due diligence in the supply chain, which is exactly what I'm talking about. And if it's mandatory, then it will happen. And, mm -hmm. um, and others will, um, you know, the United States will probably um, align with that eventually. 
And certainly if you're a multinational company and you operate in Europe, you know, there, there are a lot of things that you have to comply with. And then, and then it becomes natural to, to trace your supply chain anyway. That's really, uh, I'm happy to hear that you're optimistic and I hope that you're right. It's very interesting because when I started this podcast and I used the word sustainability with people who you just, it seemed to me that of course it included certain things. And I found that the way I was using sustainability is a way that I had heard it used in Italy rather than the way people were using it here in America. So that's why I'm kind of just aware of the different ways that it's looked at in different, in different, um, industries and in, in different parts of the world at the mm-hmm. moment. But um, looking at, you know, the global scheme of things, I know that Pirelli uh, measures itself against um, some of the SDGs. Are there any mm-hmm. particular SDGs that a tire company looks at? The, so the UN Sustainability Go- Development Goals, are there any ones? Mm-hmm. Are they all important for a tire company? Is there kind of some that are looked at more than others? Well, we are, I mean, we are measuring um, we are trying to um, sort of organize our thinking around the sustainable development goals. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think that's a good way for, um, especially for, for, for some of those collaborative efforts to, to take off. Mm-hmm. Um, so for example, I'll just give you two examples of collaborative efforts. There's sure, um, something great. called the, t- the Tire Industry Project, which is um, the majority of uh, tire companies and, and, you know, tire revenue um, globally. And, and that's, that's a project within the World Business Council for Sustainable Development, but it's basically a scientific body that where the, the tire companies collaboratively do research into um, impacts of tires on environment and human health. Mm. And, um, and, and really work collaboratively. And so some of the goals um, are, you know, goals that are so ambitious that we really need the whole industry to come together or multiple industries. And so the World Business Council for Sustainable D- Development has been a good forum to bring those collaborations together. And then another one is we launched a, um, a global platform for sustainable natural rubber, which is in Singapore. And it's, um, it's not only the tire industry that launched it, but um, some of the car companies and some of the rubber um, intermediaries and so on, some of the rubber processors. And mm-hmm. so that um, that's a way of working together. But so that that look that that speaks to, I would say, goal goal 15, life on land, and also mm-hmm. goal 17 of um, on partnerships for sustainable development. And then we also, um, we definitely look a lot at sustainable cities and communities. And, um, and we look at sort of the future of sustainable cities, sustainable transportation. Um, what is the future of um for example, what's the, you know, is the business model going to change? Are we going to be selling tires by, uh, by the miles rather than by the unit? And are, mm-hmm. are they going to be sold to sort of fleets of shared vehicles? Are, and we also have something called the cyber tire, which is a, a sensor, a tire um, with a sensor that communicates with the, the, the vehicle electronics and helps with safety, but also fuel efficiency because you can monitor, you know, if your tires need to be inflated or changed or um, things like that. That sounds very space age to me. Cyber tire. I kind of like yes. that. 
Sounds like a superhero. <laughs> Cyber tire. <laughs> you know, <laughs> could have a little superhero. Um, that's so interesting. Yeah, there are so many different facets to your job. Um, you know, yes. probably, you probably would have so many things to focus on. I had mm-hmm. one question, if we could go back to something you mentioned about end of life tire, because mm-hmm. that's interesting to me. What happens at the end, you know, the end of the life of a tire? Where does the tire end up? What's, what's kind of yeah. the end of the cycle if, you know? Yeah. And actually, um, in the past, tires were sort of the poster child for, you know, um, waste with, um, like dumped in riverbeds with, um, mosquitoes and, and so on. So, um, end of life tires have come a long way. Um, in Europe and in Canada, there is extended producer responsibility. So the manufacturers are the ones that take care of collection of end of life tires and, and then, you know, what to do with them next. Um, in the U.S., it's very similar, except that those programs are run by the states, mm-hmm. and um, and which is good because the states have the p- power of enforcement. Um, and so, and also the other thing that's good about what's happening in the U.S. is that there's been a real push for market development. So if we could have if we could have markets that wanted to buy scrap tire. From you know crumb rubber as a raw material for something else, and we're willing mm-hmm. to pay good money for it, mm-hmm. then you know then we would have a real circular economy happening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so um, and so that's as an industry that's what we're aiming for, and we have um, we have a lot of you know research projects and conferences, and I'm on the board of a foundation um, for scrap tires in the United States through the tire industry association. And what is it called? Um, it's called Straf scrap, um, scrap tire research and education foundation, I think, but it's part of, it's related to the U S tire manufacturers association. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it, I mean, in the past, it's mostly held conferences, but we're, you know, we're, we're kind of refining our five-year plan on end-of-life tires um, in terms of, you know, creating these new markets. And one of them, for example, is rubber-modified asphalt because roads perform better if they're made with um, crumb rubber from scrap tires in them. And they last longer and they have all these great um, attributes. But we're also at the same time trying to fund research into environmental and human health impacts and make sure that anything that we propose as an as a market for um, end of life tires is totally safe, which of course you can never know for sure. And so there's a lot of research going on both in terms of um, chemicals that go into the tires and are there um, are there substitutes that are um, organic and you know non-toxic and things like that and then it's basically just continuous research on kind of all fronts but end of life tires I think the um, the real question is when are we going to see end of life material that can be reused for new tires to make new tires and right now, right now you can, you can use um, some of that material, recycled material 
in tires that are are not um, important for performance, like on a racetrack or right, right, something like that, right. Um, because you you know you just need really high quality material for for um, performance and safety. But you you know you can use that recycled material in things like um, you know off the road tractor tires and things like that. Right. Probably good for someone like me who drives about 20 miles an hour. I'm the last person who needs racing tires, although I, I certainly appreciate their beauty. Um, thank you so much. I could go on and on about the tire industry with you. It's really, it's a fascinating company. And um, it's really interesting to talk about all the different things that you guys are doing. So I just want to say thank you for well, you know you. spending some time with me is there anything that i missed that we didn't touch upon that you think um would be interesting to talk about um no i think i mean it's good that you brought us back to end of life tires right now there's a lot of um there's a lot of concern for um the environmental impacts of of tire particles coming off the roads and right. it's something that something that we're we're working on a lot um because all of these things are so interrelated, you know? And so, um, and I think, you know, just to close, I think I would, I would say that the most important thing in sustain that sustainability has brought us is to not be working in silos and that all of these things are so integrated and so connected. Um, so thank you for inviting me to talk about tires. Thank, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It's actually an incredibly fascinating topic and a really fascinating company. And it's so nice to see you. It's been a long time and I really appreciate yeah. spending this time with you. So thank you very much. And, you know, here's hoping that you guys find something to do with end of life tires and that we all learn more about the tire industry. Maybe I'll have you back in some years and we'll find out where you guys are doing next. It certainly <laughs> sounds you. like a company that's in constant evolution. So I'm sure new things will be coming down the pike soon. So thank you so much. Well, I really enjoyed that chat with Maureen Klein on the tire company Pirelli.com. I mean, the website is Pirelli.com. The company is Pirelli. And I'm looking forward to my conversation next week with Luca Formentini from uh, Selva Capuzza, which is a group uh, located near Lake Garda in Italy. It's a group because they have many vineyards, they have a fantastic restaurant, and they also have an agriturismo, among other businesses perhaps that Luca will talk to us about. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that. You get that podcast and this one, usually on Fridays, wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks so much for listening. This is Vigneto, a podcast. From the sun and soil they grow. From the land.